Welcome, everybody, to episode 15 of Media Sandwich with Chris, Kyle, and Dan today. Hey. I'm Chris. I'm Kyle. And I'm Dan. Yay! That's nice. Okay, there's 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 two options. Either people listen to this, you know, around the time when it happens, in which case they'll understand why we're stir crazy, or some post-apocalyptic protagonist will find this recording, you know, behind a bench, and they'll be able to hear posthumously, this is how we acted before our civilization collapsed. Yeah, they'll pick up this audio recording and hear the first couple sentences but before they can conclude it they're like i gotta get i gotta move on because like some other audio they find another audio file too close to it if you're (laughs) listening to this in the post-apocalyptic just look in the the cabinet off to your left not that one yeah that one off to the (laughs) left of the left yes and the combination the combination It's on a little sticky note, and that sticky note is in a book in the library. But you're gonna have, have to pass the zombies. Yeah, you'll backtrack. <laughs> Don't use up your ammo. That is a rookie mistake. You will run That's out right. of ammo, and then you will be screwed. I'm just glad we decided to release this particular episode on SoundCloud and etched into pottery, because that's really how uh, you get the longevity. Exactly. That was an X-Files episode. They found, like, a pot that was on a spinning wheel during the time that something-something uh, Jesus. And so the pottery, like a vinyl record, if you played it like a record, uh, it would bring people back from the dead. Well, I had heard that, uh, I think huh. it was I think it was Gangs of New York. Uh, Daniel Day-Lewis was doing a very particular accent in that movie, and it was from some sort of recording device from that era, and it was like pottery or something like that. Weird. Yeah. That'll be the most interesting thing about that movie. <laughs> I wasn't. I offended. loved Gangs in New York, though. I, really? I thought that was a good one. Yeah, I loved that movie. I, that's surprising to me, because that's a very, very... <laughs> like, uh, that's a bleak movie. Oh, well, yeah, it's very bleak, but... I don't know why. Like, I like that movie a lot, and I'm not usually that kind of movie guy, but I liked that one. I don't know. It was weird. Speaking of weird movies, did you see The Lighthouse? I haven't seen it yet. No, I've heard about it. I've, I mean, I'm on film Twitter, so I see stuff about The Lighthouse constantly. Does Batman and Green Goblin lose their minds, right? Pretty much, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, it's Robert Patterson surprisingly like acting his ass off, and Willem Dafoe just being Willem Dafoe, and they're pretty much the only actors in the movie. There's like three other actors credited, I think. So it's like definitely an actor's movie, like one of those kind. But you know, you don't really know what's going to happen at all. And I watched it, and I don't really know what happened at all. Would I watch it again? No, I would not. Would I recommend watching it? Time will tell. (laughs) (laughs) He's got to digest it. I I mean, Robert Pattinson actually is a hell of an actor. I've seen him in a couple of non-Twilight things, and he's... I'm I'm on board now. uh, There was a Western called Damsel, 
that starts as like an offbeat Western comedy. And by the end of it, you're like, what the hell is going on? This is so existential and crazy and weird. And it's a good movie. He makes this insane turn right in the middle of it. And it's a, yeah, he's a good actor as it turns out. Him and Kristen Stewart have hilariously enough. They've spent their post uh, franchise years. Like I'm only going to do weird things that interest me and they're both as it turns out really good we just couldn't tell because they were in the sparkly vampire movies for so long yeah good for them definitely good for them i i look forward to the new batman i'm i'm liking the looks of it yeah well, i'm and, indifferent uh, <laughs> you've been I indifferent to batman movies care. since batman and robin I mean, I don't know. Batman movies just don't get me hype because, like, Batman hasn't been fun to watch in a long time. Don't get me wrong. The Nolan movies were good um, for the most part. But, like, I don't know. Like, Batman as a Batman has not been exciting to me since basically Michael Keaton. I mean, in terms of film, like, like uh, live action stuff, like the animated stuff, there's been great Batman portrayals although actually you know movie wise the best batman was is still lego batman that's a great one it's the most it's the most accurate to batman's character and all the characters is the one that shows it knows the lore and the style of batman the best and even though it's like clearly just just a satire of batman it actually shows like that it did its homework really really well it's, it's well it's kind of it's one of the few batman yeah. movies where batman actually has an arc and changes over the course mm-hmm. of the movie i don't so know I why zach galifianakis doesn't get like put into the <laughs> list of jokers whenever they say look at all these people who were the joker and it's like what about zach that's a good point yeah he was good in that he was i'll tell you if you want some good batman related stuff um 100 watch harley quinn from uh, DC Universe. The only downside is that it's on DC Universe. Otherwise, (laughs) it's such a good series. Like, it's... And I need more people to watch it so that I can actually find out if I'm right or not. Because I don't hear a lot of people talking about it. Well, I I mean, more people will be watching it in the next couple of weeks, I'm betting. Possibly, but, like, it's still on DC Universe. And I guess now that the full season is done... I think the first season was 13 episodes. Um, I guess now you could get all that in the seven-day trial. But, I mean, I was like, I, I thought about, should I get the trial? I'm like, oh, wait, it didn't drop the whole series like I'm used to now because of Netflix and stuff. But it's really good. Like, it's funny. It's irreverent and and does a great job with the you know character Harley Quinn. And it, it's almost like, it's like taking Lego Batman style of satire because it's definitely satirizing the the Batman lore and like the Justice League lore, but it's also like very M rated because it's <laughs> lots of violence and gore and like hardcore deaths and stuff and uh, and like very they crash adult, a bar like, mitzvah. To <laughs> <laughs> crash a bar mitzvah, it's I was good. on board. Have you seen at it, that Dan? Point. I cobbled yeah. together episodes from clips in YouTube. And I I cannot shove it into my eye holes quick enough. Yeah, just the you know he Bane gets frustrated and he said I'm gonna blow this up and it's just great. And and the Kite Man um, 
Ivy, Poison Ivy, Kite Man relationship is so it's great because she's embarrassed to be around him. He's like this this bro ham <laughs> who kite man. cannot back up his bravado, but he's like unaware of how terrible he is, and he's very sure of himself, but he shouldn't be. And for some reason, yeah. they do a great job of showing how someone as competent as Poison Ivy could like put on the shawl and the dark shades and get like a booty call with him. And then he has a great redeeming moment at the end where he actually does save the day. And oh yeah, it's, like it's, it's so cathartic. Like, they've they've got a cute relationship. Um, yeah. The Joker and Harley are, are interesting. They got a really good, interesting dynamic because the whole point of the show is that they break up in the first episode, and then it's like Harley Quinn going out on her own and trying to do her own thing, while the Joker is definitely trying to to sabotage her chances of ever getting into the Legion of Doom. I, yeah. I kind of love the yeah. fact that these days, DC, all the DC properties involving Harley Quinn, it's like they've they're trying to get further and further away from. Well, she's just the Joker's girlfriend, almost to the point where yeah. breaking up with the Joker is like her like parents dying in crime alley now. Like mm-hmm. it's like her origin kind story is breaking yeah. up with the Joker. Because from what too. I hear, I, I haven't seen it yet, but Birds of Prey is like a breakup movie. Yeah, and that one is another one where it's, you know, the liberation of, of one Harleen Quinn. Um, also, if you've read the graphic novel Harleen, it's really good. I just read that. It's uh, it's very, very good graphic novel that's all focused, you know, a lot of dialogue and a lot of, like, almost, like, couch psychiatry type thing. You know, you know that style of writing for graphic novelists who like yeah i'm gonna pontificate on things through these comic book characters and you're like okay i'll let you work through your stuff and and try to get to some deeper meaning that you go ah oh, yeah oh yes how deep and then you when you think about it for more than three seconds you're like wait a minute that was a low was a lot of bunk <laughs> still well done it was a good comic it was another one though where it's, it's giving that one actually gives harley quinn's origin story um from her time as a psychiatrist at Arkham through to basically when she breaks and officially joins the Joker. And it's interesting and it's going through so much Harley Quinn stuff at once. I'm like, wow, this is like Harley Quinn's moment. It's like DC remembered they had this really good character and then they kind of overused her in an instant. <laughs> Does that comic book have the drunk uh commissioner gordon just like barely holding oh, on the family <laughs> no harley it, it quinn has, it has a gruff, there oh god there's a great episode of of harley quinn where commissioner gordon the whole plot is that commissioner gordon gordon uh thought that batman and him were friends and the fact that he realizes that they are like batman tells him we have to have a business relationship gordon and like leaves he's he like gets all pissed See, and that's the problem they have to solve before the end of it is that, like, no, you guys are friends. <laughs> and he's like, that's he wants funny. a tank. I, that that right there the sells me on this. It's, it's oh amazing. man, yeah, you would, you would, you would love the Commissioner Gordon they've got. He's it's such a good, good Commissioner Gordon. Actually, there's oh, one man. thing that I could get to sell you is um, the voice of the Joker is uh-huh. 
our good friend. I, I all I'm thinking about is Wash from Firefly, and I know that's not his name. Oh, Alan that's Tudyk. Not, not the joke. Alan, Alan Tudyk Alan... is Clayface. Oh, I think isn't he also the Joker? Is he both? I feel like he is. Hey guys, because... I have this knowledge machine called the internet. Let me look it up really fast. No, 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 that's crazy. Is it Joker? Is it Joker? I mean, Clayface, first of all, is a great character because he's like this overly theatrical actor and he mispronounces words, like the wrong emphasis on syllables, and it's amazing. But him as the Joker... It's, it's a great version of Clayface. Okay, so you're right. He is... Uh, Tudyk plays both the Joker and Clayface. Well, that's pretty good casting. Yeah. yeah, really good casting. I'm not, I'm not sure who plays King Shark, but King Shark oh, is well... really... Yeah, Ron Funches. He's one of my favorite comics. I love that guy. Funches of Funches. It's a bit jarring to go from watching him in Trolls to watching him in this because, you know, he's like dropping F-bombs and threatening to murder people. And then you see him in Trolls. And he's just singing. <laughs> the little guy. I forget his name, but he's got psychic powers and he keeps getting in trouble for calling. Dr. Psycho? Yeah, yeah he yeah, Dr. Psycho, he calls Wonder Woman the C-word, like, during a, like, a broadcast, like, a news, like, breaking news, and then he, like, becomes, like, the least employable supervillain. Right. And that's that's but the voice it's... of one Tony Hale, Buster Bluth. Yes, it is. Also Forky from Toy Story. Right, Forky. So I'm saying that's another one where it's jarring that you've got this guy saying the C-word in this, and then he's over there, ask Forky a question on Disney+. Plus. As much as I love him as Buster Bluth, I I can only think of him as Gary from Veep now. Oh, he's great. Gary is basically, my headcanon is that Buster eventually becomes Gary. Because they're basically (laughs) the same character. Uh, Yeah, I'd say Gary's a little more intelligent, but only just. Especially in season one. Yeah, yeah. So we've all all now watched Frozen 2 at least once on Disney+. (laughs) <laughs> once <laughs> that's an adorable number and you should feel adorable for knowing it <laughs> well you see Cr- chris and his wife are actually responsible adults so they don't let their kids watch <laughs> disney plus as much as i do oh, i actually got salty at our kids the other day uh, because we've been watching the new ducktales which i think is phenomenal and oh, yeah i'm like doctor yeah, charlie's like i want to watch that episode what what you say doctor who doctor who Oh, Doctor Who. Oh, no, no. DuckTales. Right. Is that... Wait. Because yeah. Scrooge McDuck is voiced by David Tennant, who was Doctor Who, so oh, we call him Okay, Doctor. I get you now. <laughs> no, we, we've been watching it, and we're almost at the end of season one, and Charlie keeps saying, I want to watch this episode in season two, and I'm like, no, we're watching them in order. And Shreya's giving me this look like, why does it matter? I'm like, what? it... There's continuity. Like, I'm getting, like, progressively angry at my family as we're trying to watch episodes. I only watch a couple every so often. Like, I'm watching them in order. I want to know what's going to happen. This is a really good show. And it's really well written. And I actually want to see the continuity. And, yeah. yeah. So, eventually, like, one day, they're like, I'm going to watch this. Like, And I'm like, look, I don't want to watch the show with you right now. So, you guys watch it. And I'm going to leave. And I, Charlie and Lily watch some episodes. And and they were really confused why Daddy was being really weird about it. I'm like, I can't explain it to anybody. No one is on my side in my house. 
I'm all alone in my, I like continuity and writing and stuff. And they're like, who cares uh-huh. about writing or continuity? Well, that's one of the big, that's the big difference between this and the old DuckTales is that there is a continuity from episode to episode. Yeah, like there were some two-parters or I think there was like a four-parter at one point in the old DuckTales. This one is, I mean, they make so many references back and forth. They reference other Disney uh, afternoon shows and like the voices are great. You can actually tell the difference between Huey, Dewey, and Louie and I appreciate that. Um, so so much of it is good like my favorite episode so far was um oh i can't remember what it's called things like the mysteries of mcduck manor or something like that where scrooge um goes to his family's like castle to see his parents and everyone's like your parents are still alive like yeah like i I found like an incantation that kept them alive and i thought they'd be grateful but they're not (laughs) <laughs> and like they're trying to solve a mystery like in the basement of it and the whole time like scrooge is trying to keep his parents appeased and so he realizes oh they'd love if they if donald was here but he wasn't so like he dresses launchpad up as donald and launchpad does a really bad donald duck impersonation is he pants really good stuff um i don't remember if he was pantsless but he shows up in like this sailor suit he's like it's me your lovable nephew donald duck and they're like, I don't know, something about him seems off. And he like, oh, and he knocks over his like dinner. He's like, oh, darn it. Quack, 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 quack. Ah, and they're like, there he is. Glomgold is my man. I can't get enough oh, of that. Glomgold's so funny in this show. It's just I'm this. I'm going to watch like, more of it. I, I like how he'll yeah. say like, he'll be incensed. Like, why would you accuse me? And they're like, well, because it's always you. And then he completely switches gears and says, and it always will be. <laughs> it's just half <laughs> incompetent and half angry. He's 100% incompetent. I love it. <laughs> they pull off what yeah, kind like... of mini Avengers at the season finale. In which in one? Continuity. In DuckTales, in terms of like the continuity that you were speaking of. At the end of each season, they pull all the thro- plot threads together. So if you watch them oh, at a okay. episode, yeah, it's just jump off a cliff. That's the end of you. I figured because, like, <laughs> I I went through the last episode I got through was the bottle episode, um, which was the one where they were all trapped in the the plane, which had crashed <laughs> on top of a mountain, and they were just all in the the plane trying to get it to start again, knowing that if it falls, they could probably die. And it was just a lot of, like, let's finally deal with our stuff. I'm like, wow, this is really good, especially for a kid cartoon. Like, they're doing a good job. I can't believe we're living in a world where that is an episode of DuckTales. Like, truly, we live in a golden age of animated television when there is a bottle episode where all of the characters on DuckTales have to deal with their stuff between each other. Yeah, it. It's pretty good. Like that's it's surprise. The show surprises me regularly with like moments that make me like actually tear up and be like, "Wow, you did a good job there!" Or like noticing a callback they've made to the old show in some mm-hmm. way, but the callback feels pretty good. It doesn't feel like ah, by the way, like let's check off that box. It's like no, no, that's a good like like some are just like visual callbacks, like really subtle that if you're not paying attention, you won't notice it. I really appreciate that. Yeah. There's, there's, I know you said you were in the first season. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a 
episode in the second season, and I don't want to give it away, but I can say that. The Darkwing Duck one, yeah. I was just going to say the episode title, The Duck Knight Returns. I know about that one because I've seen, they've they've teased Darkwing Duck a few times in season one. Um, yeah. Because they've established that it's a it's a show, like basically it's the um, Adam West Batman show in their universe. And I know in season two they actually deal with that a bit more closely, which oh, I just love. Great. That's pretty good. Yeah. Len, it's, Launchpad is a fanboy. I like that. Oh, that they tied it in. Fanboy, yeah. <laughs> season one, they also they get stopped by Don Carnage and the Sky Pirates yeah. from Tailspin. Oh, I love oh, it. Pretty cool. good episode. Yeah, I was a big Tailspin kid. I that and Rescue Rangers, which they have they they haven't brought that back yet, have they? I haven't they heard anything about that. Three. I did. Yeah, they've teased season three that they're bringing in like all the Disney afternoon by season three. But uh, the saddest thing is that I saw a treatment, or at least like a, a show pitch from the one of the showrunners on Ducktales. Um, he pitched to Disney a. a uh, Rescue Rangers version show that was tying in Rescue Rangers, the Great Mouse Detective, and um, the Rescuers into one universe. And it was basically that um, Basil of Baker Street um, starts, like, he's solving crimes and he starts the rescue organization that the Rescuers founded. But the Rescuers, that organization has fallen through. And Chip and Dale discover, like, the remnants of it, and they're trying to become modern-day versions of it. So a lot of the stories are actually taking place over the, like, in three different timelines. Like, the very beginning, the middle timeline, different timeline. And, like, Disney didn't go for it because they said it was too complicated. I'm like, oh, my God, there's a universe where that got made, and that's so good sounding. That is very ambitious in a good way. I, oh, that sucks that that didn't happen. And I... I appreciate that there are writers that have, or at least they're bending the ear of people who will listen. And even if they're not getting these things made, they're at least pitching this type of stuff. That they're not just like, what if we just made another show? They're like, no, what if we make a show that's clearly made with a lot of love of these franchises? Which, the the new DuckTales feels like that. This is clearly made by people who love the original DuckTales, who love the original comics, and who loved all the Disney afternoon stuff because they keep throwing so much of that in and, and none of it feels, you know, it, it feels correct. It feels like fans are making this show for fans, which is really cool to see. And this, the only downside is it's because Disney is weird and like Disney XD is really weird. I feel like like I almost thought that DuckTales got canceled and I was surprised that it only had two seasons so far. I'm like, really? It's been out for like, what, four years now? Only two seasons? What's going on? Where's the third season? Oh, that's always yeah, been it's... Disney XD, though. That was the same thing with Star Wars Rebels, where I, I kept thinking, yeah. did that show get canceled or what? And there were only four seasons of that show, but I think, or maybe maybe it was five, I can't remember, but it was over the course of like five years, six years or something. Mm-hmm. I mean, the biggest fault was in Gravity Falls. I don't know if you ever, you ever watch Gravity Falls, either of you? Oh yeah, I, I love that show. Recently did. Yeah, that show is phenomenal, and that one got kneecapped because Disney XD just like did not really want to make that show happen. I don't understand what it was if they just couldn't give it a good time slot, or they couldn't promote it well, or what, because it has such a ravenous fan base. And 
such good show, but just something about Disney XD. Yeah. Well, you know, the voice of Dipper is also in Frozen 2. That's right, yeah. Which one is he play? He's the the rider who is like the other friend of the reindeer. Like oh, introduced. that guy. Yeah, yeah it's like yeah, a bit yeah. part. I wanted to watch there... the new Godzilla movie, and I did not want to pay for it. And so what that, <laughs> long story short, I signed up for the seven-day free trial of HBO. And so I watched the Godzilla. Great movie. Very fun. And I like that then I, I wanted to, you know, make the most of the seven-day trial, and I noticed that Josh Gad is in this uh, show with Hugh Laurie called Avenue 5, and they're on a spaceship, and I'm like, all right, I'm sold far enough. What do you got? And it, it was actually pretty amazing. It's like this kind of semi-idiocracy future. Um, it's, from, it's from the folks who brought you Veep, if I remember right. I Maybe. But it's like Josh Gad is this amazingly rich. Uh, he's not amazing. He's just very rich. He's actually an idiot. And he basically has this starliner, you know, this cruise in space that, uh, you know, is just treated like a normal cruise, except it is basically unmanned. Like there's a few engineers here or there, but everything's automated. Nobody really knows how it works um, because they don't need to because it's, you know, it runs on its own. But then there's a tiny little glitch with the artificial gravity, which makes their trip. Now it's going to take like three and a half years to get home and nobody knows how to fix it. And Josh Gad is on it and he's like just barking insane orders at everybody. He's like, you know, fix the delay with our communication with Earth, which is like we can't. That's it's the speed of light. Like, I don't care. Fix it. And so, and then all the people on the bridge are like actors that Josh Gad hired because they looked handsome and even Hugh Laurie he's the captain in the first few episodes he's like taking charge and telling everyone to calm down and then you slowly find out he's not an actor but he's really not a very good captain and he's just good at <laughs> sounding like he knows what he's talking about and yeah. you know, is, is he doing it, his American accent in the show it, he does both like when he's acting like a real captain he speaks american and then when he starts to like lose his shit he switches into british and everybody's like wait you're british he's like yeah josh gad thought that if i sounded american people would trust me more <laughs> so oh that's back. fun <laughs> that's very fun yeah and then you know you've got a karen on the ship like i have some complaints that i would like to air and you've got uh, the guy who played Neelix on uh, Voyager, he's like this old, retired, actual astronaut who keeps trying to, you know, be helpful, but it really, like, shut up, hippie. And he's like, oh, all right, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, everything they do makes things worse because they're all idiots. And the people who are smart aren't listened to, which is very present of today. So, you know, through a series of mishaps, like the, the amount of time it's going to take to get home keeps getting longer and they like end up having the dead bodies orbiting the ship because the, the ship is so big and they jettison coffins into space. But then the coffins just start orbiting. So they have to look out the window and see all the dead people. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's fantastic. I'll have to How, do, that do you show. still have your free still have your free trial, Dan? 
I, it actually tomorrow I get charged for it. So I, I have to make big, big Dan decision. Do I pay $15 to, to hold on to it for another month? Have you watched yes, the Kyle? Watchmen TV show that they have on HBO? Yes, I absorbed okay. that into my uh, ocular implants very quickly, and it was amazing. I, have, I haven't seen that one, but I did watch McMillions. Did either of you watch McMillions? Not yet. Is that a movie? Oh, or a Kyle. Yeah, it's a it's a, I think a six part, five or six part docu series about the McDonald's monopoly scam that happened from 1994 to 2001. Oh, maybe man. no, maybe it was like not 89. Basically, the our entire lifetime that monopoly had been running had basically been being scammed, and there were very few legitimate winners in that time of like the big prizes and this whole series is so well made that it's just it's one of my favorite series right now just because of i mean i love a good documentary and this just just slammed it out of the park with how good it is well it would be nice to watch a true crime documentary that's not about somebody like getting hacked up or anything like that it's just about somebody pulling a big old scam do you have hbo yeah, I have HBO Go um, through methods. Through methods, <laughs> I I have. I, hey, hey, it's important. You know, I have friends. I have friends who are connected, and that's what's important. I have. Yeah. Let's see. What do I have? I have. Uh, Netflix is the only account that we pay for, and otherwise. <laughs> Otherwise, let's see. I got uh, and I, I, you know, I, I distribute Netflix to my my sister and parents. Um, Good. So you're otherwise, I get. Yeah. yeah, I get I get Hulu from my friend Skip. I get uh, HBO Go from Vivek. I get uh, Disney Plus from you, Kyle. I have, yep. have <laughs> Amazon Prime Video from my mother-in-law. So it's like, you know. Are yeah, you connected? Who in this day and age can afford multiple services? Are you connected, Kyle, for HBO? I am. Yeah, I've got. I've got. Also, also I've got friends, <laughs> and oh. uh, yeah, I'm rocking HBO now, and uh, Disney Plus. I am paying for, and I've got that with the Hulu bundle, so I'm paying for both of those Hopefully. and Netflix. Yeah, it's it's a good bundle. Uh, I. I probably should be taking more advantage of the ESPN portion of it, but not currently, obviously they, they legitimately brought back ESPN, the Ocho with all of the, the like strange <laughs> nonsense. I'm I'm not kidding. They did <laughs> like, you can watch half to going on there. I don't, I uh, was hoping that like, I could be a connection for one of you. How do you, for the, the hundredth listener to this podcast, I'll give you some HBO codes. <laughs> Yeah, we, we should do, like, a very, very uh, specific contest. Speaking of contests, so the weird thing is, Animal Crossing uh, New Horizon just came out today, as we record, or, or yesterday as we record this. came out this week. I have had, like, Animal Crossing stuff muted on my timeline, like, progressively as it's building to launch, because I just can't handle all of that. And I'm really sad. Because I'm like, oh, I miss being able to write Animal Crossing stuff, and I miss working on New Leaf and Happy Home Designer, and the new game when it comes out is going to completely pave over everything I did. Because everyone's going to forget about the last game just we bought of this one, and it sounds like it's already happening. Like everyone's like, 
New Horizon, full steam ahead. So I'm like, oh, I kind of like just kind of backed off of all of this. And I and like on launch day, a friend of mine is just like getting super psyched. I'm like, it feels weird, man. It just feels weird. I've been muting everything. At the end of the day, I ended up winning a contest to get the game for free from somebody on, on Twitter. Just one of those retweet to win things. I'm like, oh, and it's like a physical copy. And they're going to send me the best buy like um, pre-order swag too so i'm like oh tight that's weird that's bonkers congratulations yeah yeah which getting that means like i need to now since that'll show up sometime next week assuming the mail is still running by next week Uh, but it means i have to finish my current game which is uh fire emblem three houses on the switch and it, it's I'm like 75 hours into it, and it's disgusting how long it takes to do anything in that game. And it's such a good game, and I'm so tired. I'm just so <laughs> tired of doing all of it. Like it's it's a really weird dichotomy of like this game is so good, and I really like these characters, and I want to legitimately learn about their backstories more, so I'm going through extra stuff to make people like each other, so they tell each other's stories, so I can understand why this character is who they are. Because I've had multiple characters who, like, on, you know, on first impressions, I'm like, well, this guy is a wank. I don't want to deal with this guy. And then after I learn a couple of the backstory, like, conversations, I'm like, wait a minute. I really like this guy. Let's find out more. And by the end, I'm like, well, this guy's awesome. Why didn't I? I'm glad I learned about them. Now I go on the next person. I'm like, well, this, this one's a wet blanket. What? Oh, that's why. Interesting. So now I realize I have to do it with every character. Otherwise, I'm going to feel like I've missed out. So 75 hours later, and I still am not done yet. I don't know how many hours I have left. There's very little gameplay left in the game for me because I, like, I have to rant about it for a moment. The game is set up in month structures, and it's all like you have to, there's so much time management, it's very stressful. So every chapter is one month of this year, and and you basically have four weeks to do something. Your Saturdays are your free time where, um, no, Sundays, I think Sundays are your free time where you can go around this monastery and you can talk to people. And while you're at the monastery, you can try to get people to like you more and you can increase your your support convert, like your support level with them so they like you more. Between you go from C rank to B rank to A rank, and then if like you marry them eventually, it's S rank. But that comes later, obviously, as we all know, because this isn't confusing yet. Um, but there's like this, so this many is different definitely a Japanese game, <laughs> yeah. And the whole like the actual game. To play itself is um it's a turn-based strategy game so you you're on a field of battle and you have your like 10 units and you're like okay you're gonna move these these things and attack this person because they're you know you're fighting a flying enemy and you have a bow and bows are strong and flying enemies okay cool and the whole point of the game is that like you can turn permadeath on for like that's the normal the classic style of of fire emblem i don't like that because it's too stressful because i just want to hear everyone's story and if someone dies i don't want to have to hard reset everything so that they don't die too stressful so i just play it in casual mode where characters can come back after every battle after they get shot down or something i'm fine with that 
I don't care. I'm filthy casual, but I want to hear the story because the writing's really, really good and the voice acting is really good. But like, so you've got every week you can either explore the monastery, you can do a seminar, which is like a deep instructional thing. You can um, do battles or you can rest. No one ever rests because rests just waste your everything. You want to go through all these other things. And then you have to instruct your students because the whole plot is that you show up at this monastery and it's broken into three houses, hence Fire Emblem Three Houses, and you become a teacher and you have to select one of three houses that you join. And each house has a house leader, their like co-friend, like this, like the second in charge, and then six other people in this house. And these eight people in these houses you're going to become like best buddies with. And depending on which of the three houses you pick, it's going to change a lot of stuff in the story. And it, it knowing that drives me crazy. But you can convince everyone from the other houses to join your house if they like you enough before the time skip because damn it it's japanese there has to be a time skip and if you don't do everything before the time skip then you can never be friends with these people and it drove me crazy because i realized i'm like a month away from the time skip i'm like oh crap i need to get all this stuff done now or else i will never have all these people and i'll never be able to know what their stories are and so then i had to grind the game not for like skill, like levels, but like I had to grind out skills and like grind out like people liking me, which is just the dumbest thing to say. And it's like this person, like this person will join your house if you have, you know, this much stat. Like all my stats are like super high. And it, also, they also want to know that you have like a C rank in writing skills. I'm like, oh, frick. I don't, I'm not a, I'm not a cavalry class. I haven't learned any writing. So then I have to go through the process of training my character on writing skills like oh they want to know they're they're all about lance skills how's your lance skills frick so then i gotta go back and try to get my lance skills up it's just it sounds so stupid because it is so stupid and like well, it sounds like to, a nightmare know. for somebody like me with a lot of social anxiety where i'm like in the real world i spend half my day going does everybody like me does everybody hate me i don't need that in the video game yeah Here's a typical gameplay cycle in a chapter. So first Sunday, you got to run around the monastery, hear every single character say something to you, every single character, all of them, all 30 characters at least. you got to run around the monastery and talk to each of them. You also have to re restore your battalions because you have battalions that help you in bonus. You have to fix all your weapons. You just need that. You need to go to the inventory, stock up on important things. That's all good and well. That's fine. You also have to um, instruct all your students to help them grow in all their different like specialties um all of your weapons like styles so you have swords bows lances axes uh, gauntlets was like magic like both healing magic and like black magic plus writing skill flying skills like all these like, there's like 12 different skill things you have to learn each of them independently that you have to raise from e rank up to s rank if you want them to be really really good at them um I'm still laughing at all of that. Thanks, <laughs> specialists. Yeah. Well, you joke, but also one of the most effective ways to get people to like you is to have meals with them, um, because you can sit down and have a meal with them. But that doesn't count um, it, to, to the tea times, man. There's tea times on their birthday. You can invite people to tea because yeah, you go through the months and it's like, oh, it's it's you know, it's Hubert's birthday. Would you like to have tea with him? I'm like, yeah, I would. So you sit down and you have tea with this guy. 
And he's like, oh, yes, interesting. And you have to have a conversation during tea time. And you can have an excellent tea time, which is really good because it raises your support strats. But you can have a pretty bad tea time. We don't have anything to talk about. And that's bad. Like, you don't get as much support, like, increase in that. And all this so that, like, you can help increase your support so that your stats, when they're next to each other, that's the only thing that matters is they're next to each other in the battlefield, their stats increase. Like, oh, well, they're staying next to each other. They have, like, a 10% evasion boost. Yay. And and you get good conversations with them, like, when they're back in the monastery. So, like, oh, this guy, this guy's not just, just a meathead. He's pretty interesting. But then, like, as their skills increase per class because you have to reclass them so they have to be smart enough to take tests to beat the next class it's like oh you're you're like a, a mercenary but wouldn't you be better as an assassin oh you would but you need to up your bow skills and you need to take that test and like oh but you could be a bow knight but you got to learn how to ride so go back and learn riding until you're an a-rank writer and come back and take that test you have to do all this stuff you have to raise up those stats and then you have to they get special abilities from all that. All this has to sound like an insane person right now, I'm sure. Um, that doesn't even <laughs> count for the times you're running around the monastery giving each other, like, presents to make them like you faster. And each person has different things they like. So you go up to this one woman, and it's crazy. Her name's Petra. She has purple hair because it's anime. But she's from, like, a different country. Because everything takes place in this land called Fodland, which is very Germanic, like, European. But Petra comes from a different country. And she has, like, clearly a Russian um, speech pattern, but not the accent, if that makes sense. So, like, and I want to know the, I want to know why the voice director gave this person the direction to say, like, okay, so all of your dialogue is going to sound like you should be doing a Russian accent, but I don't want you to do a Russian accent. I want you to do an American accent just speaking like a Russian. So, so it's like... She's like, I would very much be enjoying that now. It's like, what? I don't understand. Like, Bad everything she says is, is like a little... Well, no, it's not because your character is still very interesting and you get past it, but like the whole time you're like, why? What, well, this is a weird choice because obviously, why would she have a Russian accent? There, no, Russia doesn't exist over here. Um, Bridget I, exists over here. I wonder what accent she has in the Japanese version, though. I, that's Korean. a good question. I have no idea. Yeah, maybe. It's there's so know, much that's crazy, crazy complicated. I mean, I bought Doom so that because I, you know, I'm kind of in the headspace of murdering an entire dimension. I don't know <laughs> if I can handle yeah. all of this micromanaging. And I wonder if the people within the game, you know, Wreck It Ralph style, getting into the mind of the NPCs, if they're like, oh god, there comes this person. <laughs> they're so needy. They're going to want to be our friends and invite us. Just, just be polite and yeah the one girl's like i'm gonna try not to use my russian accent oh i hope it works <laughs> dan tell me more about doom eternal then so that i can get away from fire emblem for a little bit uh i mean i've i played it last night and that was basically it but i i spent a long amount of time working out what difficulty level I should play it at, which is kind of immaterial because you can change the difficulty level at any point. But it's it's like a pride thing because it gives a description not just of, you know, mechanically how much harder it will be, but it also is like, what type of experience do you want? It's like, if you have yeah. really good reflexes and you want to look around for secrets, this is the low one for you. And if you want, if your reflexes are amazing and you don't care about secrets, you know, this is the one for you. And 
And, you know, I, I had to do some soul searching b- before I ripped out eyeballs and shoved them into mouths. What, what experience do I want? That's a really <laughs> interesting thing that's happening in video games now where the difficulty level, you really have to, like, take a personality test to figure out which one you want. That's how it was for Jedi Fallen Order, where you have to figure out, okay, do I want, like, a, like a Dark Souls-esque thing do i want something more along the lines of previous jedi games where it's more like puzzle solving and just like massacring a ton of stormtroopers and everybody's experience of the games ends up different because of it i i um my xbox had died and so i had to get a new one um and it came with that game and i i I really enjoyed it, but I had to finish it before Doom came because that that would be a very jarring experience going from a Souls, a Dark Souls like Star Wars game to a a Doom game. But yeah, uh, yeah you're right. It, it's you know my eight year old son Liam. He I put it on story mode for him, and like you know oh, you'll get to see all the cool cutscenes and wave a lightsaber, and then here I come. I'm like oh, oh Jedi Master. Okay. Second there, and, I'm like I'm like. Wait, you gave your eight-year-old Doom Eternal, <laughs> <laughs> and there's no. a lightsaber in it? <laughs> like, no, no, I just, I just skipped ahead to the cutscenes. Like, oh god, the <laughs> DLC <laughs> with the lightsaber. No, I, I, uh, I mean, he he got frustrated pretty quick because I didn't realize how Souls-like the game is, and it's just he's not up to that level. But you know, I'll admit when I got close to the end and I knew Doom was about to come out and i'd been stuck on the same boss for like two days i popped down the difficulty level just to get past it so i appreciate the flexibility uh that a game lets you do that you don't have to play through the entire campaign to get back to where you were at a lower difficulty level yeah like i'm pretty good with the combat engine in that game i you know i could hold my own what i had problems with was a lot of like physics and you know jump puzzle stuff i'm not very good at timing jumps i never have been which is why i've never been good at video games in general but i enjoy them so i i did uh drop down the difficulty level at certain points in the game just to finish puzzles more than anything but i'll I'll tell you what's really funny is uh got we got the nintendo switch for christmas and chris let me know immediately Hey, by the way, Jedi Knight 2 Jedi Outcast was ported to the Switch and it's on sale. So got mm-hmm. that, got that immediately. And go, going from Jedi Fallen Order to Jedi Outcast is jarring for so many reasons. <laughs> but I forgot how unforgiving Jedi Outcast is in terms of especially the first hour or so of the game before you have Jedi powers that it's, Oh, right. This, I forgot that this game series originated as a star Wars reskin of Wolfenstein and doom. That's what the first uh, dark forces was. And Jedi Knight was dark forces too. And Jedi outcast was Jedi Knight too. So it's dark forces three technically, and now I've gone cross-eyed. But One downside it, of Fallen Order is that if you play Dark Souls and then someone says, oh, this is like Star Wars, but Dark Souls, you, you, 
you say, oh, cool, and you get into it, and you get the sense that it is somebody made Dark Souls wrong. Because <laughs> there, there's two mechanics that are key to Dark Souls combat. One is the, do- the jumping out of the way, the, the, par- the dodging way, and the other one is the parrying. And you yeah. have you have to build muscle memory and reflexes around parrying in Dark Souls because there's just no way to get beyond certain places. But it's immediate. You click the button and boom, your your guard is up. With Jedi Knight, he takes his sweet ass time about it. I mean, he just lifts up his lifesaver like he's, you know, looking at it and admiring it. And it's such a different timing that I started to yell at him, like, why are you so stupid? You know, the D- Dark Souls could do it. Why can't you? And then the jumping away, uh, he doesn't go very far. Like, I don't know if he, you know, ate too much uh, Mexican food and he had a little diarrhea and he's trying to pinch his butt cheeks together. But he does not want to <laughs> jump very far. Well, now in my head canon, that's exactly what's going on in that game. That is what's going on. So he's like jumping out of the way and the bad guy coming at him. is like, I'm not even needing to alter my trajectory. I'm just going to keep on going. So I think if you want Dark Souls, you should play Dark Souls. Fallen Order is Dark Souls, but someone was drunk. I, I gotta say, Fallen Order, some of the best portions of it are not when it's trying to be Dark Souls, but more when it's trying to be Uncharted or Tomb Raider. Yes. Uh, like, Star Wars Tomb Raider, so much fun for me to be like, all right, we're in this ancient tomb, we're, f- you know, figuring out the puzzles, we're opening giant doors and stuff, we're backtracking like it's a Metroid Prime game, and that that was really good. All of that stuff they handled very well. It's just I, I'm I'm getting really sick of Dark Souls like mechanics. I really thought that the uh, respawn mechanic in that one in Fallen Order it doesn't make sense narratively that all of the stormtroopers would respawn right back where they were after you know after you've gone through the section of the map like five times yeah it it just kind of bugs me because okay it works great in dark souls because things are being resurrected that's part of the plot that's not part of the plot of star wars that's weird but that's just me i was drunk so someone well some someone said hey kids really like that dark souls game let's do that but yeah yeah, other than that, I mean, I I love Respawn. I'm a big Respawn fan. I love the Titanfall games. I'm very sad that I don't get more of those, that that didn't take off the way like a Halo did or something like that. Titanfall 2 is an amazing game that, that everybody should play more often. And I love and the Apex fact that... Apex Legends is fun. Apex Legends is great. It's the best Battle Royale game that I ever played of the, like, <laughs> two that I played. But... <laughs> But no, I love Respawn and they made a great game. And thank goodness there are single player Star Wars games again. But yeah, yeah I'm I'm ready for the I'm ready for the uh, Dark Souls light trend to 
fade away a little bit so that it'll be more interesting when it pops up again in five years. What was with yeah. the pawn shows? <laughs> like one, of the, one of the collectible entire branches you can get is different outfits for the main character, and they're all pawn shows of different colors and varieties. And and even even Liam, my son, he's like, "Why are they all ponchos, Dad?" I'm like, I don't even know, son. This is just this is a massacre. Well, Nothing it's hilarious. It's hilarious that at no point do you wear Jedi robes. You're just always wearing a jumpsuit and then a poncho. My favorite outfit was no poncho. Yeah. <laughs> but I tell you, my son, my son became enamored with the idea of, wait a second, so we can choose a poncho and then we can choose a paint job for the droid and we can choose a paint job for the ship and we can make them all match. And I'm like, well, yeah, sure we can. Hey, loyal sandwich heads. Uh, this is Kyle just jumping in really fast to say, hey, you know what I'm really sick of hearing all the time is, hey, we're living in uncertain times with this pandemic stuff going on. Having said that, Dan and Chris and I, uh, we recorded this episode specifically so that we could hang with each other for a minute and blow off a little bit of steam that's been building during isolation time. So we did end up sliding into talking about current affairs and politics and stuff that we normally don't talk about. So if you don't want to listen to that stuff, that's cool. Just uh, jump ahead to the one hour, 13 minute mark where Kyle's Star Wars Corner starts and you can jump right over the majority of it. But other than that, thank you for listening to us. Please hang out with us again. There's going to be more content, more podcast stuff happening around Media Sandwich, so stick around for that, and thank you so much for listening. And be safe, be cool, be well. We love you guys. We love everybody listening. So, thank you. <laughs> it's very weird. There's there's animals that aren't being choked to death. <gasps> Yeah, yeah, I uh so I did venture out and go to the store today. And this lady walked in in <laughs> sweatpants and flip-flops and she's wearing a big like Walter White respirator mask. Mhm. And and she had like four kids trailing behind her, all of which aren't wearing masks. So I'm like, "What? What is your brain? What are you why? Why are you why are you Clearly. this? She was murdering those kids. You should have called the police. <laughs> well, what's, what's really funny is I'm hearing from people who live in densely populated, like, city areas. Oh, man, it's dead. There's nobody on the street. Nobody's going to stores. Nothing. It's like it's it's like I am legend or something like that. Uh, I went to a Walmart life, yeah. today and it was full of people. We went, we go for walks every so often. Like, you know, I try to go on a walk every couple nights just because we need to keep our sanity and get outside. I mean, we've been outside a lot. We do the backyard and all that. But we'll, like, we'll go for a walk around our neighborhood and we see more people than I we've ever really seen. Like, they're all out and about. And we're keeping our distance, but it's so, it's, it's eerie because you're like, are we supposed to be able to even see each other? If I can see you, is it too late now? <laughs> <laughs> like I haven't been to the store or any place in two weeks now. No, I'm sorry. Last week 
I ended up going to a restaurant with my dad before everything was like super isolating. Cause I had already started. Um, I, Oh, I've been at home for three weeks now. Um, no more. Oh man. No. Yeah. It's been, oof, it's been a month. I've been at home for a month now. Uh, it's gone. Yeah. Wow. I'm going crazy. I, I basically started, I started working from home a, like two weeks, I think before anyone else did. Maybe, maybe I'm, my time is messed up, but like I had a minor cold and everything was starting, just starting to become like worrisome. So I'm like, I had a cold that lasted over the end of the weekend. And I, you know, with kids, anytime you get a cold with kids, you're just going to have a cough for at least a month afterwards. That's nothing serious. It just sounds concerning yeah. because it's like, yeah, it's this little nasally drip cough. We're like, this is just really annoying at this point. It's not that bad, but it's just what it is. So I'm like, well, I'm going to try to give it at least one more day. And I said, I'm going to work from home Monday. And then more kind of started happening. So by Tuesday, I'm like, I think I might stay home Tuesday as well. And our CEO is like, if anyone is sick or has any of these symptoms, you must stay home for at least 14 days until your symptoms are done. I'm like, okay, so I'm going to be home for the next two weeks. And then eventually more and more happens. Schools start to close. And by that point, CEO is like, we're going to go full office shutdown. Like all work from home, like physical office is shut down. You must work from home because we could. And it's, it's been awesome. I think, because I think everyone's seen like just how much we can do from home. And I'm sure it's got to be harder for some, like as the writer, it's been super easy for me, but like still realizing that I'm sitting at my desk, like my little corner in my house for like nine hours is driving me crazy. I'm like, Oh crap. Cause the kids keep coming up and they're like, daddy, I want to do something. I'm like, I'm, I'm technically at work right now. Go away. <laughs> like stop yeah. bothering me. And it's yeah. hard because they're like, can't you play right now? I'm like, no, it's, it's, it's 2 PM. I have another, <laughs> I'm technically on the clock for another three and a half hours. And they're like, but what, can't you do something? I'm like, no, can't you, can I watch something with you? I'm like, no, I have, I have multiple face-to-face calls today because we've been doing a lot of voice or a video chat with people with the cameras on everything. It's like, no, you can't, don't turn on anything. Don't, don't be quiet. Like when I have to do these video calls, just go to the house, barricade yourself and shut up. You become that guy who became famous for his kids wandering in while he was doing a TV interview. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. I love that kids march into the room so much. It's wonderful. It's one of the greatest moments the TV's ever caught, uh, captured. <laughs> and it's tough because, like, there's been a couple times when we're having a video chat and Charlie and Lily are in the kitchen, which is, you know, just not all the way around the house, but, on you know, they're still a couple rooms away, but they're, like, digging through Legos or something. And, like, my boss is like, hey, can you mute your mic? You know, we're picking up a lot of something. And I'm like, it's, like, <laughs> that embarrassing. Like, yeah, mute my mic just that you can't hear my kids trying to be kids right now like it's not their fault they've been cooped up as well and to them like it's just whoopee <laughs> the whole school yeah well my, my dad has been working from home my, him and my brother and my dad was telling me stories about everybody who's been working from home having to say awkward shit during a conference call one guy that he works with said hold on a second i'll be right back i gotta go break up a fight 
and he leaves and he comes back and he's like, yeah, so it sounds like I'm a bouncer now, but they're five and three. So yeah. I guess I'm, I'm headed towards that too. Cause my kids are at home. Rosalie's at home and I'm going to start working from home on Monday. And so I'm, I'm a month behind you in terms of the isolation stuff. I've been out and going, going to work on public transit every day for the last week. Though, to be fair, I did read something that public transit has a very low chance of causing any symptom. Like, you like you won't get it if you're in public transit. Weirdly. I don't understand it. I, it's just like it's the, the chances of getting in public transit. Yeah, it's like really, really low. I think partly because in public transit, everyone is trying to, like, get away from each other anyway. Or you're already doing stuff to try to get away. I don't well, understand. It's, it's, it's a lot more, uh, it's a lot more spaced out. Like it used to be where I would get on my, especially my train home. I would get on the yeah. train and it would be a case of like me and this guy are close enough that I, we, we can smell each other's breath. Not so much anymore. Now that same like four o'clock train that I get on, it's like, okay, we're keeping a respectful distance from each other. Cause there, there are a lot fewer folks on the train, but yeah. Yeah, I think also, especially for the Portland metro area, they do a terrific job of cleaning trains and buses by comparison to other places. I mean, at this point, they have to. I mean, every <laughs> every place that I've been to or even walked by is sending me emails to let me know what they're doing. Just to let you know, uh, customers of random Mexican restaurant down the road, we're wiping down all services multiple times a day, and also everyone's washing their hands more. Be safe. And it's like, oh, man, I feel so bad for so many places. Especially, I mean, I feel bad for the little guys. I mean, in comparison, you know, like mom-and-pop stores or like independent restaurants, independent grocery stores, that stuff. It's They're just getting hammered right now. I'm yeah, like, well, oh. uh, the, the locally owned movie theater out here, the Cornelius Cinema, they I, I follow them on Facebook and everywhere else, and they sent out basically a thing. It's like, all right, so we're at a point now where we're just going to go ahead go ahead and we're going to have to close because obviously no one's coming. So goodbye for like, now. And it's like, I, oh, God, yeah, that's okay, so it's for now. Yeah, it's for now. But I, I went ahead and said, you guys do the drive in every summer. Start doing it early this year. Just yeah, do- yeah, yeah there you go. Do one showing of Onward every night from from people's cars. You can do that. Yeah. Although now it's going to be on Disney Plus and streaming, so don't do that one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that one. I feel it's, I feel the weight of it because I've been working at home, you know, since like 2014. But it was you could you could do other things. You know, the the kids, I'd get them off to daycare and school and then it would just be me in the house and I would work. But then if I wanted to go to the store to get something, I could. Or if I wanted to chop a few weeks off the end of my life by going to Fuddruckers for lunch, I could. And <laughs> and, and and now it's, uh, it's like, no, luckily daycare hasn't closed. So my three-year-old is gone. Otherwise, I wouldn't be able to get any work done. But, you know, the eight-year-old is constantly watching youtubers yell as loud as they can about how you should ring the bell and subscribe and that's going on downstairs and then you gotta and i i work and then if i want to take a break i gotta you know make sure he's getting socialized at least somewhat and then everybody Mm -hmm. comes home and 
And the, I remember on Friday, I, w- I was supposed to do this report and I had never done it before. And there was supposed to be a folder with like some instructions. So I'm looking at the instructions and I'm looking at the template. And I just start to get really anxious, like, oh, my God, I don't know what I'm doing mm-hmm. here. This is I know, oh, my God. And it just built on itself so much. And there was nobody here to, like, console me. And I realized the report, it wasn't the report. That was just, you know, that's the the point air decided to leave. And there was a lot of air pressure. (laughs) So here I am in this little room with, you know, Jelly and Ninja downstairs yelling as Minecraft characters. And I'm just upstairs, you know, looking for a paper bag I can breathe into. Like, oh, my God, I need to go somewhere, but I can't. That exact same thing happened to me on Friday, actually. But I was in the office because, like, my my 30-person team has been whittled down to three people in the office, including me. And on Friday, my boss just kind of came over and said, so we're working out a way for everybody to print letters and reports and anything that has to be printed or mailed. We're figuring out a way to remote send it directly to the mailroom. And the mailroom's been completely sealed off. I can't even go in there to drop off or pick up the mail, which has my, been my thing for the last month. And so she's like, so I need you in meetings today because we're having meetings about how to do that. And then you're going to be testing remote printing letters from your desk here in the office so that we can figure out how to get everybody on that by Monday and then probably you're going to be working from home and doing it on Monday. And I, I got halfway through my second letter of doing a remote print, but from the office. And I'm just thinking, why aren't they having somebody at home test this as opposed to me? Why am I still here? Why is this happening this way? Why do I have to go to a meeting with my boss's boss in the room and I'm in like a Star Wars t-shirt today because there's no one here and I didn't think I would have to look at anybody today. Yeah. And yeah, like I I think it it just like I blew a microchip at some point. I don't know about you guys, but it's not the fear of getting the illness. It's no, it's not at all. Not at restriction all. of society. The I've seen this in many, many movies, and it's always comforting to know that it's behind the screen. And this time it's not like you can forget that it's happening for a few moments and then you let your mind wander and it snaps back and you're like, oh, that's right. Everything is shut down. And in it's, that moment, yeah, it, yeah you just well, my, my biggest thing is. I I talked to my mom today. My mom's in Texas and my mom is kind of a self isolator just on general principle. She lives like a couple hours from the nearest city or something like that. But she's, she's asking like, so, you know, are you guys worried about, about like, should you be wearing a mask and stuff like that? And I'm like, well, first off mom wearing a mask does nothing. It's to keep germs in. It's not to keep germs out. So, (laughs) you know, put that aside. I had to explain to her, we're not scared of getting sick. My wife is sick. I think she just has like bronchitis from a cold, but she's sick right now. So she hasn't left the house in a week, but I'm not scared of getting sick. 
I'm scared that there won't be any food to give my kids. And my, and my mom is like, well, can you get some help? Maybe your brother or your dad can loan you some money or something. I'm like, mom, I don't need money. I got paid yesterday. It's not a matter of yeah. money. It's a matter of there's nothing to buy. And yeah. I, I'm alternating between worrying over that and being very, very angry at other people for being such idiots and dickheads about going out and buying like three, four gallons of milk at a time. How are you drinking all that milk? What are you doing? What like? Yeah, how... they're wiping their butts with it. <laughs> we're, we're gonna freeze the milk and wipe our butts with it. Yeah, it's funny. Everybody I, got like, yeah. annoyed at the meme of "We live in a society" from Joker, and, and it was like, kind of karma said, "All right, you don't like the meme? We live in a society. Well, there goes your society." And we're like, "No, that's not what we meant." Oh God. <laughs> Like, I'm really curious, like, what do we come back to at the end of April, assuming that everything can open up in April again and, like, all the restrictions are off, at least for Oregon. I know that's the current recommendation. But, like, what do we come back to after that? Like, in May, what is going to be left? Like, we're going to all come outside again and look around and see all of our favorite little restaurants shuttered forever. And... If we're going to see prices on everything skyrocketing across the board. It's just like, whoa, what the hell happened here? It's 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 scary to think like this much is happening. Like the stocks are I've heard the stock market is expected to like lose like 30 percent of like the economy's like dollars, like lose like 30 percent of its value by the end of all this, which is insane numbers like a third of money is just gone yeah, that's like, that that breaks my brain yeah i mean this is the thing we're essentially going through the 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 new millennium's version of the great depression while also going through like the black plague at the same time except it's not deadly like the black plague it's just shutting down like it's an economic disaster more than anything. We all have to live through yeah. it. It's yeah. showing I, like, it was more deadly. Yeah. For two reasons. Yeah. One, if it was more deadly, it would not spread as fast. And that's just yeah. how diseases work. If the host dies before it can spread, then it doesn't spread. And also, I hate old people. And <laughs> if we could knock them. <laughs> Bad take, Dan. Bad take, Dan. I just... If, if we could... <laughs> it started out with the science. You, you reeled me in with the science. Yeah. I'll never be fooled by science again. <laughs> Neil deGrasse Tyson, everybody. That was Star Talk. <laughs> Neil deGrasse Tyson. <laughs> uh, yeah. I was just shocked. I've never seen one of these um like illness scares be so politicized and so like down partisan lines. Like I didn't know like cause cause I'm like, we've lived through swine flu and SARS and, and Ebola and all those other things. And yeah, those were what they were. But it was kind of like a ho-hum, okay, whatever. This time, it became the most politicized thing I've 
seen yet where it's like right down the party lines. Everyone's like, well, clearly the, the, the Republicans and the president are doing a bad job. And the Republicans and the president are like, clearly you guys are just making up fake news. And then all of a sudden after like a, two weeks later, well, well, yeah, we got to wash our hands and stay inside, obviously. And it's like, oh, uh, oh I don't like, uh, like, I didn't like the, the, the you know, the two-party system beforehand, but I really hate it now that it's <laughs> like, uh, now it's like, now it's killing people and the country. Like now, because the, because we have been unable to work together, we finally have proven like, yeah. You realize that we haven't actually done anything as a nation for, like, almost two decades, I feel like. Like, we ground to a halt at, like, 9-11, and we as a country haven't done anything. We haven't got anything done, like, for ourselves, at least. We've just, like, stopped because now both sides hate each other so much they won't let the other side gain an inch. And here we are. It's like, all right, guys, now everything shut down. Now, now because you guys could never possibly agree on, you know, your so-called um, entitlement benefits and stuff, you know, like healthcare and all that, uh, you're reaping those rewards. Good job, everybody. Good job. I'm so happy yeah. for everybody well, in I, power right now. Well, can I can I tell you something that'll get us back on the media sandwich train uh, back, away from bummers and back to good times? Yes, you can. Uh, okay. I, I, I Can we go to Star Wars Corner for a second? Uh, I'll be your guide. Uh, let's take a little visit to Star Wars Corner. Yeah, let's go is, to Star Wars the Land for a second. Chlorians is COVID nineteen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just you wait. No, uh, I wanted to say because because of what you just said, uh, politics wise, I'm I, I just finished a Star Wars novel that came out about the time Force Awakens came out. It's called Bloodline. And it's all just like Leia in the New Republic's uh, politics. She's a senator and there's a like a rival senator. They've split into two parties. One is the populists who believe that all of the planets should govern themselves, basically. And then there's the centrists who believe in the central government should, you know, rule everything and and you know, enforce all of the laws through a strong military. So it's very much real politics with a star Wars sheen on it because Mm -hmm. like a, like a dumbass, I said, Oh God, I got to get away from the election stuff and the politics. And I got to escape into star Wars. Like I always do. And then I read a book that's essentially telling me exactly about my political system, but with, but with lasers and shit. And Mm -hmm. But it's a really good book, actually. It's it's one of the best Star Wars books of the Disney era. And I really enjoy it. But that's essentially the death of the New Republic is essentially, oh, this bipartisan system that we've created has ground everything to a halt because we just sit in the Senate and argue about everything without actually heading towards consensus or a solution or anything. And that made me laugh because I'm like, oh, so, yeah, so basically they created the same system we have and it didn't work because they have it on the scale of like 5,000 planets instead of 50 states. Oh, great. Oh, great. I was going to say in terms of what Chris says, like, what are we going to come back to? You know, the good thing about the virus is that, I, it, you know, except for 
the absolute base bargain morons. Everybody agrees that it exists. You know, yeah. there, there are people who disagree about climate change and the idea is, oh, just you wait. When the oceans are boiling and the sky's on fire, you'll believe in it. And they're like, yeah, I'll believe it when I see it. And they're all 80 and they'll be dead by then anyways. They don't care. But with the virus, right, with with the virus, you know, at first they're like, nah, it's not a big deal. There's only one person with it. And, uh, you know, other people of certain political parties were saying, no, we should probably prepare for this. And they're like, nah, I don't believe in science. And now... Everybody it did has take a it. remarkable amount of time for a lot of people in my orbit, particularly people that I work with. It took so long for a couple of people to stop saying, oh, this is a bunch of media hype. It's not that big of a deal. It's not such a big deal. They were handing out work from home equipment to my coworkers. And one of them was like, ah, this is just a bunch of hooey. The media is making such a big deal out of this. Ah, it's not a big. Yeah, two days later, he was working from home and I haven't had to hear that shit from him. So. <laughs> so maybe maybe this will actually help bring the two sides, if not together, at least closer toward common enemies, because you can't vote out an illness or lie about an illness. It's going to happen. And the speed at which they are passing these bills to deal with it can only happen if the two sides are working together. So hopefully at least at some minute last Hail Mary throw before the world does end, uh, you know, they'll be working a little closer together towards things to help. You're absolutely right, Dan. And if there's one thing that Watchmen has taught me is that the best way to kill this virus is with a giant squid. Yeah. <laughs> or a big blue penis. Or, or, or that, you know, if you can find one. Their their stores are shut down. You can't. You can get oh it God! <laughs> well, anyways, more Star Wars. Did you guys hear Rosario Dawson is going to be Ahsoka? <laughs> it, I did hear I that. Did. Yes, I did. Should I? I'm watch excited. Uh, your mileage may vary. There are some people who adore it, and then I. I can't get into Clone Wars. I did find, I found like a three or four episode arc that is great. And it's right near the end of the original run of the show. Mm. But it's my problem with the Clone Wars is that it's not one continuous story. It's a bunch of like three episode arcs that are all taking place in different points in the continuity. So then, who is Ashoka, if one were to ask the question, who is Ashoka? So, essentially, this is the untold story of, by the way, Anakin had his own apprentice during the Clone Wars, and that's Ahsoka. And she is, you know, his his kind of counterpoint to make him a little bit more of an adult and a little bit more of an authority figure over somebody who's more young and impulsive so that he's not the young impulsive kid anymore. And the fact that she's not mentioned or, or referenced in any way in episode three is the reason why the character never worked for me. Yeah. But now having said that, uh, she appears in Rebels, which I am a fan of Rebels. I like Rebels. I didn't really care for Clone Wars all that much. And mm -hmm. by by virtue of seeing her in Rebels, 
and then backtracking to, okay, how did she get to this point? And then going through her story, she's a, she's a really good character. It's just that there's a lot of, there's a lot of chuffa. There's a lot of extra crap surrounding her story. And a lot of the most interesting parts of her story haven't been told. Hmm. Uh, there's, there's a bit near the end of the original run of the show where she quits the Jedi order and kind of like just goes away and disappears. And that was kind of supposed to serve as the answer of, well, where was she during all of the time in between trilogies and where is she during the original trilogy? But then she shows up in rebels again. And then her arc on rebels ends on kind of a cliffhanger at one point. And you're like, okay, so did she die here? Did she live and disappear? What's going on here? And now that they've brought the clone wars back on Disney plus they've brought her back into the mix and it's really confusing. There's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, continuity problems with Ahsoka specifically because she's an invention of the clone wars, which is a show that takes place before episode three, but was made like five to 10 years after. So it's, uh, she is a fan favorite character though. And so the idea that she's going to be live action in the Mandalorian of all places, which is terrific. And then you add, by the way, it's going to be Rosario Dawson. Who's awesome. These are all good things. Uh, there are a lot of people who are upset because they love the, uh, voice actor who plays Ahsoka and both of the cartoons. And I guess they thought they were going to hire her to be the live action version. That's not really how things work very often, though. I I really didn't expect them to do that. But uh, I'm I'm excited that they're bringing the character into live action continuity. Because there there are a lot of there are a lot of Star Wars fans who are like uh, cartoons, BS, video games, ah, screw it. Novels, comic books, who cares? I only consider the movies canon. Well, now they're making TV shows. So do you consider that canon? Well, yeah, sure. It's live action. So that's canon. Okay. Well now this character is canon even in your eyes. So deal with it. Does she look at the camera and say that her name is Ahsoka Skywalker? Uh, probably not. I'm going to say probably not. That is good. (laughs) I mean, I, I, I am looking forward to rewatching rise of Skywalker. Uh, I, I have a lot better opinion of that movie because it's my kids, uh, big star Wars moment, their first one in the theaters. So, Oh really? You didn't take them to the earlier ones? Well, I didn't want to take them. I, the thing was I went into the last Jedi going, I don't know what's going to happen in this. I should probably know before I try to take. And then I went in and it's two and a half hours long. It ends on a huge down note. My son loves return of the Jedi era. Luke Skywalker more than anything ever. The black suit, the one black glove, the green lightsaber, like, you know, doing pirate jumps off of Jabba's sail barge and stuff. That's his Luke Skywalker. So the last Jedi was a real dicey thing to show him because like a lot of adult star Wars fans, he really wasn't going to be on board with Luke being crotchety 
weird old man hermit who doesn't save everybody with a lightsaber and whatnot. So didn't take him to that one in the theater and he didn't really care about solo because there are no Jedi and there's no Luke Skywalker. And he was too young when rogue one and force awakens came out. So this was the first one to take him to. And for a five-year-old who's been watching star Wars a lot at home, it's a great movie to go see in the theater. So that was the best part of the experience was seeing it with my kid and my dad on the other side of me. We had a, a, a fun time with it. Now, having said that, Chris and I recorded a very long episode of Drat where we talked about all of the things <laughs> that we had wrong with that movie. But yep. I, I just have a feeling that that movie will be remembered more as the new trilogies. Like the third movie always seems to have like a really polarizing effect. There were a lot of people when Return of the Jedi came out who were like, ah, uh, this is the bad one. There's like teddy bears and a bunch of Muppets and. Nah, just it uh, it feels too kiddy. It feels like it's dumbed down for kids and nah, I don't like it. And now, funny enough, a lot of people our age, Return of the Jedi was kind of their favorite one as kids because it's the most accessible one to kids. And sure enough, I showed my kid the the original trilogy and he ended up watching Return of the Jedi like every day for a summer. Didn't really care <laughs> about the other two. But he loved the opening yeah. 40 minutes of Return of the Jedi was the perfect movie to him. It's it was good. But I mean, I, I have a feeling that Rise of Skywalker is going to become the return, the return of the Jedi for our kids generation where it's like, oh, yeah. My parents don't think a lot of that third one because they feel it was very dumbed down and whatnot, but. Uh, it's got the most lightsaber fights. It's got the biggest star battle. It's got there's, the... There's the most Star Wars in that one. Yeah, it, <laughs> they do pack a lot of a lot of wars in that star. Well, it but, has good moments, that's for sure. Well, I'm and as as now that I'm now that the movies are over with the the current crop of movies are over with and. I'm starting to Movies dig in general for... forever. <laughs> yeah, well, there's <laughs> that too. But I'm I'm starting to dig a little bit deeper into some of like the novels and comic books, and those are making it a lot better. Those are making Rise of Skywalker better, the same way that the supplemental stuff like comic books and whatnot made the prequels feel a lot better to me at the time. I think it's mostly just a case of Lucasfilm likes to they put out the movies and then they like to hire a bunch of writers to all right we gotta we gotta fix this thing that people didn't like in the movie so go write a book about that and make it make sense and it, <laughs> it is making it better uh but i am excited about the new big thing that they announced which is uh the high republic did you guys read anything about that no is that the wookie jedi <laughs> there is a Wookiee Jedi in the Clone Wars, actually, and he's very fun. But uh, the High Republic is like the new big direction that they're taking the franchise now that the Skywalker saga is over with. So it's like 200 years before any of the movies that we've seen. 
during the heyday of the Republic, and it's very like King Arthur and the Crusades, but Star Wars kind of stuff. So it's going to be a lot of like high-flying adventure. There are no Sith, because the Sith have supposedly been eradicated. So it's going to be a lot of Jedi versus like vicious space pirates. So a lot of like Errol Flynn kind of stuff. They've got a whole new set of characters, all original. So anybody can die. Anybody can turn to the dark side and nobody's going to get pissy about, well, this character's legacy and his parents and grandparents and none of that stuff matters because these are all new characters and they have nothing to do with the Skywalker saga. Mm-hmm. And this is exactly what they should do with Star Wars if they want to survive is they need to get away from the they need to get away from the lineage stuff and make it bigger. I think that and the Mandalorian are the two directions they need to take Star Wars where, OK, we can do the high flying fantasy stuff and then we can do the gritty space western stuff. And we don't have to talk about about Skywalkers and Palpatines and Sith versus Jedi and dyads in the Force or any of that stuff. We can just have fun with the iconography. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to that. That's going to be mostly like comic books and novels, I think. Mm Mm-hmm. That was a lot of Star Wars talk. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> no. <laughs> Star Wars is good. And you're right. The Mandalorian Space Western is magnifique. It just has the perfect mixture of comedy and tension. And you kind of forget that it's in the Star Wars universe, except, you know, the technology and the the species you know, yeah. The, of course, the baby Yoda. People call him Baby Yoda, but it is a species. We recognize it. Um, it's just done so well that even if you have never seen any Star Wars movie, you can enjoy it for the tension of a guy trying to protect this baby from bad guys who want to do unspeakable things to the baby. Yeah, yeah. It's it's got a lot of like uh, old samurai movie or old western stuff to it that. Yeah. I think I think the, even the wolf like, and the cub is that what it was? Uh, lone that wolf guy? and cub, yeah, yeah, with the baby carriage that was machine gun. I love it. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, it's it's got a very like, uh, especially the early episodes of it had a very. I, I made a joke so many years ago on Twitter that nobody thought was funny, but you didn't say knock knock first. That's true. And also it had nothing to do with baby Yoda. So who cares? But Mm -hmm. I made, I made a joke years and years ago about how, Hey, you should really do just like a bounty hunter movie and call it something like prepare your space coffin. Django is coming, but make it Django fet. It's my favorite thing about spaghetti Westerns is the convoluted ass titles that they would have. Like, like, uh, count your, count your blessings. Sabata is coming for you. Like, that's not a movie title. That's a, that's a run on sentence. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah. And it was always Sabata, Django. They, it was always like these mononymed guys who 
Like one of them would be dressed like a priest, but he's a priest that kills people. Or there's, you know, the original, that's where Django Unchained comes from. But the fact that they named a bounty hunter Django Fett and nobody made that connection, I always thought it was hilarious. And now he really is like the Django from the 70s spaghetti westerns, only now he's wearing a bucket helmet. Mm-hmm. Very nice helmet made of delicious smelt. <laughs> smelt. <laughs> smelt. I love it when they talk about metal in Star Wars. I don't know why, but the Beskar <laughs> steel. Uh, there's even that bit in The Last Jedi where he's like, oh, your necklace is made of hazy and smelt. I don't know why. I just I want to be a Star Wars blacksmith. <laughs> <laughs> that blacksmith lady was pretty cool. In the she was pretty rad. Yeah. She's just like, I'm going to make you some armor and I'm going to sit here. And that's that's my role. What what a brilliant concept to make the armor like not not just a status symbol, but it's also like part of their heritage that the metal has to become their armor. And so he's getting the getting the metal as payment for his bounties, but he's also taking back a piece of his heritage. So fun. So cool. It makes him the bounty, the quintessential Western bounty hunter, but it also makes him the quintessential like Native American Avenger at the same time. Right. It's like he's earning enough money to buy the land that the white man took from him and he's buying it back. Yeah. Yeah. And the fact that the Empire had it, of course, of course they did. Space Nazi, Western Nazi. It's always Nazis. This is this is why we've probably come a lot closer than we would think to Quentin Tarantino making a Star Wars at this point. <laughs> that would be a weird foot-filled Star Wars. <laughs> well, he was talking about making a Star <laughs> Trek for the longest time, wasn't he? He was he was out in the press going like, "I'm making I'm going to make a Star Trek movie and it's going to be a hard R and it's going to have <laughs> all my usual stuff in it." And everyone was just like, "Sure, Quentin, sure you are." <laughs> sure. That'll never happen in a million years, but you go ahead and write it, buddy. And it yeah, came you know, very silly. You know it how they they, made. they smack their communicator on their chest to start talking, and I always wondered, like, how does it know uh, when to stop transmitting? And with a Tarantino movie, it'll just be like taking these long, pregnant pauses. And they'll be talking, but the communicator like cut them off. They have to tap it again. What's the last thing you heard me say? <laughs> they have to keep reestablishing the link. Click it again. I want to talk to you about a Madonna song for fifteen minutes. <laughs> have, you ever, have you ever had synthanol? I hear that in Romulus they just call it a Royale with booze. <laughs> what do you call Romulan ale on on the Klingon home planet? No, it would be what do you call Romulan ale on Romulus? They just call it ale. They just call it ale, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they call it the blue stuff. <laughs> Depending on which timeline they're in, I guess there wouldn't be a Romulus anymore, though. Oh, that's right. Yeah, oh, the... God. <laughs> it's the weird Kelvin that there are time. people who know nothing about that. Like, if I asked my son, hey, Liam, Kelvin timeline... Is the Romulus? He's like, I, I don't know what you're talking about. That is that in Fortnite? <laughs> it's just bizarre that we we are aware of these facts 
that don't matter in any which way. <laughs> but but we know them. Well, well hey, well we welcome know to them being very, a Star very, Wars fan. Well, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I I think it was some podcast I was listening to where a guy said something along the lines of. Oh, yeah. When I was a teenager, I read every single Star Wars novel that I could find because I just became fascinated with this this history that I knew every facet of. I knew like I could connect something that happened 16 years before this movie with something that happened 30 years after. And these two things lined up and all of it lined up perfectly. So it all coexisted. And then when I became an adult, I realized that I was just a history buff who knew nothing of history. So then I started reading real history and the real history replaced the Star Wars history. And now I'm normal again. <laughs> well, it'll be important for him to be a history buff when society collapses and we forget how to read. We'll have to go back to the, the oral tradition. And I think the Star Wars history will merge with real history. <laughs> and I start to get like, you know, in 1492, Boba Fett sailed the ocean blue and, he, you know. I'm pretty sure that's the beginning of that terrible dragon movie with uh, Christian Bale in it, where they're like sitting hunkered down in an underground tunnel and somebody's just telling the story of the Star Wars. Oh, Ring of Fire was not terrible. That's a perfect laundry movie. You fold your laundry <laughs> while you have it on in the background and it's it's serviceable. I love that what well, one of my favorite podcasts I mean... calls a hangover movie, you call it a laundry movie. <laughs> <laughs> I I had a concept like that written into my long running story where since it takes place like a thousand years after our current time, but like there's a gap in human knowledge between this because like memories got reset, like all of human history got reset basically. In like the current timeline, like the colleges and stuff have like whole seminars where they're talking about like, okay, so like we're discussing the fact that uh, basically, like, here, here's what we think geography used to look like, where here's where we place, you know, the capital of, you know, capital city here. We believe <laughs> it's between the, the cities of Gotham and Metropolis and like, because they, <laughs> they, they don't know what is real. Not. They all, and they all assume that New York City is a completely fictional thing because it's in every single fictional thing. Like, New York City seems to be the site of all of the comic books that we've unearthed. Therefore, we believe that is actually a made-up city. Yeah. But Gotham and Metropolis are real. Yeah, like, they've got them backwards and just like, I don't know, if it's that's a fun idea. No, that's a very, very funny idea. That's, that's hilarious, because that, that mm. might very well happen. You don't know. <laughs> who knows yeah. it might happen a lot faster than your story gave us credit for <laughs> exactly uh, um, more positive notes uh, have either of you seen The Magicians I haven't no. you were telling us about that and you said that it was like Harry Potter if, if they uh, bumped uglies <laughs> what if Harry Potter fucked <laughs> it's 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 so good. Um, I, I'm into season four right now on Netflix. They have season one through four on Netflix. And apparently season five is running. And I guess they announced this is the final season. Um, 
So it's a good time to jump on it. Uh, the I jumped on it because they had a bunch of promos for season five on Facebook. And this is the first time like I was just bombarded with these. And it does not represent the show well. It confuses you more than anything. And it doesn't actually show you what the show is going to be like. Because it introduces these characters in a way it's like, well, none of these, none of this makes any sense. So watching it from the beginning, I'm like, this show is really good. It's basically, it starts with this character named Quentin, who um, he's obsessed with this book series um, about this magical land called Fillory, which is kind of like Narnia. Um, and this like six book series where these these the Chatwin uh, siblings would go on adventures to Fillory, and Quentin is super depressed and he needs to get on with his life and tries to get on with his life, but then he somehow stumbles to this stumbles into this place called Breakbills, which is like a magic school, and they give him a test and determine like you actually are a magician, like so we're going to, to train you as a magician and stuff goes sideways like by the end of the first episode it's like this is cool this is this this stuff's gonna be crazy and it's very m-rated um it's which it's a sci-fi show and i didn't actually know much about the sci-fi network because it's like i don't ever really watch sci-fi networks it's like oh i don't know what their standards are like what they can get away with apparently they can get away with a lot the only thing they can't get away with apparently is like actual nudity so it's like I, you know, again, this is like AMC standards right now. Uh, but the show's really good. Like, the character's really good. It's a lot of fun. I don't want to give anything away other than in season three, there's a major plot point where, like, eight different characters all have to join in and sing David Bowie's Under Pressure. <laughs> and it, it's an amazing moment. And it, like, thematically, it makes sense in the plot, and you're like, okay. And the fact that... They, they make so many pop culture references and they like they even like make fun of like harry potter and narnia and lord of the rings and all that kind of stuff because it's it's playing off all those tropes it's really good it's good stuff i highly recommend it i i bet you guys would dig it don't watch it with the kids but i bet you dig it <laughs> see that's that the biggest problem with the quarantine it's like all these great things that we now have time to watch but all the twilight zone dropping our glasses we've got these kids in the way we want to <laughs> we want to do all these exactly. There was time it, now. There was finally time. time. <laughs> finally time. Speaking of time, it is a uh, it's eleven forty two. I blame and, uh Yeah, you can blame me and my damn Star Wars talk about that. <laughs> I'm I am going to cut all of that out. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Kyle, you make all the cuts you feel like because you're in charge. You're the man in charge. Oh, I'm excited no. to hear this. I'm excited to witness, you know, all my words taken out of context. So it's some sort of manifesto where I say I hate old people. and You're just going to say I hate old people every 10 minutes or so just to wake up the audience. <laughs> uh, you've, yeah. Well, you've mic'd, you've mic'd my house then, have you? <laughs> <laughs> Well, you should not have gotten that ring cam. <laughs> yeah. He's hacked oh, in. Oh, Kyle, Kyle, tell tell our listener who where they can subscribe our to one us. Listener, uh, our one listener who hasn't subscribed to us yet uh, and is still listening to this two-hour episode. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, considering it. Well, you can, uh, if you are considering it, you can subscribe to us on uh, Stitcher, on Apple Podcasts, on uh, uh, any third-party podcatcher using our RSS feed, which you can find at media-sandwich.com. You can also find us on Twitter as media underscore sandwich. Uh, or you can just find me on there at, at Kyle Martinak. And Chris, you are at the Chris Pranger, if I'm not mistaken. That's me. You are not mistaken. And then Dan, you are on there under what's your Twitter handle there? No right tweet. Of course. Harkening back and to I'll... our good this. And you've got some uh, some articles that you've written for uh, the Escapist, have you not? That is true. I wrote some articles about how to navigate uh, the world of technology with uh, young kids and how not to destroy them and maybe how to destroy them if you hate your kids and you want to speed up the process. Yes, because if, if, if you don't hate old people, you have to hate kids. <laughs> That's right. Those are called Next Generation of Geek, found only on the Escapist. There you go. There you go. Cool. That's good stuff. And uh, if you want to uh, clap back at us in some way, shape, or form, you can at uh, media sandwich show at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, give, give, us a, give us a subscribe, give us a, a review, or just send us an email or send us a tweet. Talk to us because we're trapped at home with our kids and we yeah. can't watch the show where Harry Potter fucks. <laughs> 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 oh and i'm on a podcast as well i forgot that's right um, i'm i'm in two i'm in two episodes of um of chris chipman's podcasts uh one with shooting the shit with chippa uh that episode will come out at some point i, I, I don't know if he's worked on that and the other one is a talk buster where i talk all about my time working at uh, game crazy so it's it's fun it was i don't know if either of you guys have uh set up some time to talk with him because he he's a fun dude to talk with i yeah, highly recommend it it's we've uh we've direct messaged him and talked about it but that was before the craziness started so we gotta get a hold yeah. of him and do that because he's still recording oh definitely he's still recording and uh yeah fun sometimes have some time because he's he's a fun guy to talk with it's it it feels like the the good old days where we used to talk to bob for three hours <laughs> just whatever <laughs> He's very much like Bob, where he can just talk and talk and talk and uh, about pop culture, and just have a good time. Good, good, easy conversationalist. That sounds so, fantastic. Yeah. And he's yeah, a good yeah. family man. Too. Oh yeah, he's a good family man. Well, that's probably, great stuff. Doesn't hate old people. <laughs> <laughs> I like how we've decided that that's no. the theme of the show. <laughs> I think that's the title of the episode. It's episode fifteen. <laughs> Tan hates old people. <laughs> You know, oh, I gotta yeah. live up to my limitations. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, uh, that's oh. it for isolated sandwich. Uh, <laughs> yeah, go wash your sandwich, and we'll see you next time, I guess. Go make yourself a sandwich because all your restaurants are closed. Wonder Bread with some like turkey that's been in the fridge too long, but you're gonna eat it because it's all you have. <laughs> I made a nice chicken fajita sandwich with shredded mozzarella today. It was mwah. It was very good. That sounds better. Let's go with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
Okay, so this is the part where I have to acknowledge the fact that I'm recording in my car, <laughs> and and my cat is on the hood of the car staring at me right now. <laughs> get 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 <coughs> fuck off, fuck off, go away, fuck cat. Off. Enjoy the pristine wilderness now that humanity is dying. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'm getting ready for some uh, for some I Am Legend shit going on. Oh, man. 